we want to open this meeting of the Marin County Measure A Oversight Committee. Um, so I guess call it to order. Do we need to do anything order for the virtual thing? No, okay. Uh, so the first thing we have is uh, public comment. So is there anybody here physically that is like to make a public comment? I don't see anybody. Then I guess we turn it over to Al. Al, is there anybody out there in uh, watching in the cyber world? Zoom land. Zoom land. Sure, there's no one online uh, with their hands raised. Okay. Okay, great. Then we can move on, move forward. So we want to approve the. Uh, we need to approve minutes or. Before we get to that, so we want to um, welcome. We have to, as I mentioned, I started to mention to uh, Michael here. It's time to reappoint or re, uh, renominate new positions here. And I was trying to get Daniel's attention. Hello, Daniel. So oh. I, I guess the question is: Is so, it yes? And we got. I think on the agenda. Number three is director's report and then election of officers. Oh, so. you know what? I'm going by an older one here. I, you know what? I'm looking at the minutes. I, oh, I, I, yeah. Okay, okay. I was too, so. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's, we'll go to that first, and then we'll go to the next one. Sorry about that, Max. I didn't mean to cut you off. No problem. And I'm going to be very brief on the director's report So, because uh, we basically have a full update for you in our staff presentation. Okay. The one thing I just wanted to appreciate is the response from our team during the recent storms, uh, preparing all the drains uh, around open space and parks and being out there when we have these big rain events to make sure that drains don't get clogged. Um, so, uh, so yeah, just an appreciation for that. And then also how a lot of the Measure A <coughs> funded improvements have improved drainage on our fire roads and in our parks um, so that there's less flooding and, and erosion. That's all well, I have. Well, if we ever put through the test, that was the test. <laughs> Hopefully yes. that was uh, a 20-year event, although keep it coming, right? Okay, so that's all we have for the director's report? All right, then I'm sorry I was on the wrong agenda. Um, so we want to talk about election of officers. This is an action item. Um, so we need to select a chair and a vice chair for the period of uh, basically today uh, through next year and um, I'm currently chair Mary Stomp is vice chair so uh, if anybody would like to take my place as chair I'm willing to leave and or if someone wants to be chair and I'd be vice chair I would do that so I don't know Larry if you have any interest or David if you have any interest I nominate Joe for another term is that possible Kevin yeah take care Thank you, Chair. So just one clarification, which is that um, whoever is appointed chair would begin the following meeting, which would be in February. Okay. And then two, I believe, um, Joe, that when we looked at your record that you're actually termed out at this point and so can't be chair one more. Okay. So you can step into a vice chair position or something. Okay. So I'd, I'd be willing to step down to vice chair or if someone wants other people want to do that. Who, who's... Um, Who's eligible then, Kevin? Is anybody else facing 
a term issue like Joe? Anyone else could okay. be appointed, yeah. Yeah, and just to clarify, you, you can have two consecutive terms as the chair, uh, which, which uh, Chair Malin has, has reached. Yeah, and, and Can you grant waivers on that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not making a joke. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe the bylaws allow for, for a waiver. Right, we'd have to. The reason I say that is a lot of times for pot and brew purposes and things are working well, things are not absolutely because somebody's good at something. Yeah, certainly understood. <laughs> I just don't believe we have a we have a, a mechanism to allow that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, would you would it, would anybody else here have an interest? I don't feel qualified to okay. do it. I know, and I've been here a while, but I'm just the ag guy. Okay. okay. And right now, there's some clouds around <laughs> in Marin County. Okay. So it's not exactly you know, and I don't have a ton of county background like I think you do. Okay. And while I can, you know, go over the figures and understand them, it's not my thing. Okay. Ag is my thing. Okay. But apparently, we need, I think we need to talk about that today a little bit. Yep. And clarify. We'll talk okay. Thank you. Okay. So, Michael, can I get you to volunteer? Um, I would be, I'd be voluntold, I think, okay. is, is what okay. you're looking for, Joe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. We'll yeah, I, I'm, fine, yeah. I'm fine returning back into that role. Okay. Yeah. And would Mary remain as vice chair, right? Mary Stomp? She could remain as vice yeah. chair. Yeah, okay. So I would say if she, in absence, do we need to have her here to reappoint her, her or does she need to? <laughs> I don't know if we take I mean, I'm, I'm willing to take that place if she doesn't, but I, I would rather let yeah, her I, continue if she feels like that's... I mean, I, I think it, I would defer to you all and as a, as a, as a committee to make that decision, but yeah. you certainly could uh, recommend a slate, which would include committee member Dybeck as the chair and committee member Stomp as the, the my one concern around um, ha having uh, Mary do it is she's an appointee of the Parks and Open Space Commission, and I believe that those appointments revolve every two years. So there's a possibility that she may not be Okay. Reappointed. So, and and Joe could also take the vice chair yes, today, correct. and yeah. then if you wanted, resign at the next meeting, and we could appoint her at that's that correct. point as, yep, as that's vice correct. chair. Okay. So so we'll make that the slate. Yeah, It'll be Michael as chair and myself as vice chair. And if if Mary wants to stay on as vice chair, I'd be glad to resign from that and let her okay. have that position. So it sounds like a slate. So we it, we have a slate. So we we would need to call for a vote. Okay. So I need to have a motion to approve that slate. I make a motion to approve. I'll second it. Okay. And all in favor? Aye. Aye. And anybody abstain? No. Okay. Um, do we need to address uh, the resignation of Bob during this point time, or do we need to say anything about that? I don't. It's, it's I don't, not in yeah. this topic, but I, my, that's my understanding: is Bob is retiring, right? Yeah, he, ha he has resigned from the committee, and we huh. do have correspondence going to call for a, a new applicants. Okay. Uh, and we'll update the committee as we receive applicants and get an appointment. Okay, great. I just want to make sure everyone else knows. And was that, that a parks and open space or an at-large? No, he has an at-large at from large. the committee. Okay. Okay, okay great. Uh, so the next thing is to ap call approval of the minutes uh, from February 11th. Uh, so hopefully everyone had a chance to read those. Uh, most of it uh, talked a lot about, uh, you know, what was the progress in the sub-recipient presentations. 
and the audit presentation. Oh, and Joe, we yeah. should probably call for public comment on each of these items. I okay, uh, yes, yes, okay, I, so. I, I didn't uh, think, I forgot about it. All right, so first of all, we wanna ask for public comment regarding the approval of the minutes, if, if there was any comments on the minutes. No, nope, I don't see any here. And then I guess, is it Al we're asking? If yep. he's got anybody online who's. Chair Malin, Chair Malin, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay. All right, if that's the case, then we can go ahead and make a motion to approve the minutes. I wasn't in attendance. Okay. So. All right. Our motion's approved. Okay. Second. And all in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Okay. Um, then the next is this is Kevin's part, right? You're going to talk about the uh, uh, expiration and re-implementation of the Measure A and what kind of road we've got ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, actually, it'll be it'll be me presenting okay. about this. So okay, let's see. Can we pull up? Uh, pull yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's see. There you go. Oh, there we go. Thank okay. you. Okay. So. Um, yeah, I'm going to give you a presentation. This is actually the same presentation I gave the Board of Supervisors and our Parks and Open Space Commission <clears throat> about the feedback we've gotten from the community about the um, uh, extension of Measure A. And uh, we are going to release our proposed changes to Measure A on uh, probably in two days, on Friday, hopefully. Um, but uh, in, in anticipation of that, I wanted to give your committee an update of, of our process and, and have an opportunity to discuss it. So, and this is an informational item. So, uh, you know, we uh, actually, Marin Open Space Trust had funded a, um, a poll, and I can't remember if this is in here or not, had funded a, uh, a poll of likely voters uh, back in June uh, to see what the support was for an extension of Measure A, and they found, um, uh, over 80% support, so really strong support for an extension of Measure A. And um, they, uh, and so we went to the board with the potential of putting an extension of the existing measure on the recall ballot um, that you know ended up happening in I think September. <clears throat> because of some state rule changes, we we're not able to do that, um, and so we got direction from the board to work towards putting an extension on the ballot in June of 2022. And so, and we also got direction to really spend that time until we needed to take the action to put it on the ballot, getting feedback from the community. And so uh, our team put out a survey, an online survey, and then also um, between Kevin and I, we met with I think about 45 different community groups and individuals one-on-one um, -on -one to get uh, more in-depth or with their group to get more in-depth feedback <clears throat> on Measure A and just to ask folks, what are their priorities now? What are their priorities in the future? Um, and so I wanna share what we heard with all of you. So the, the survey, we had, um, <clears throat> pardon me, 2,700, over 2,700 responses we distribute it through a news release, through the IJ, through um, print ads, media, through s social media, Nextdoor, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We email it out to our partners. We asked our partners to email it to their subscribers. 
Um, it was on our website. It went out to our email list. It was on signs and notices at all of our parks and preserves. So we got a lot of interaction with it. And, uh, and then there was also a place on our website where people could sign up to meet with me. There's a calendar function so people could sign up and get a Zoom invite um, for different times. And then one thing that we noticed in the folks that took the survey was that um, the, the sample of individuals who were doing that work tended to be less uh, racially and ethnically diverse than the community at large and also tended to be older. And so uh, one thing that Kevin and I did was really sought out individuals and groups that, that worked in areas that were underrepresented in the community, to school districts, to the YMCA, to um, various folks uh, to try to get a sense of um, you know, what, what they were seeing, <clears throat> what their priorities were, and how that matched up against what we were hearing from the survey, knowing that we were um, probably missing some spots. And so this is some of the outcomes from the survey. So there was, this is a question where we asked folks, you know, here's a bunch of areas, some of them, you know, identified within the funding measure, which identifies 20% 20, 20 for farmland preservation, 15% for city and town parks and 65% for county parks and open space. So it has some of those areas that are identified um, in the actual ordinance. And then some of these areas are areas that are identified just within our budget each year. So um, wildfire prevention, uh, park maintenance improvements, trail maintenance improvements, uh, wetland restoration, those types of things. And you can see here, wildfire prevention was the most uh, most likely to be identified as very important. Park maintenance, trail maintenance also scored really high. And then on the other end, uh, visitor services and programming and farmland preservation um, scored uh, the lowest <coughs> along with science and research. And then this question was similar, but it asked folks, where do you see us um, in the future needing to provide more funding or the same level of funding or less funding. <clears throat> and again, uh, wildfire prevention was at the top. Park maintenance and improvements and trail maintenance improvements was close behind wetland restoration with still a significant amount of folks saying that should get more funding. And on the other end of the spectrum, the farmland preservation, again, visitor services, um, <clears throat> having a much lower number saying uh, more funding or the same level and a higher number saying less funding. There was also a place on the survey where people could provide additional feedback. I think there were about 1,500 uh, comments and um, I read through all of them. There were some really great, very specific comments, but there were also some real common themes. And so I just tried to pull some of these out. A lot of appreciation for parks during the pandemic, people really valued their parks and the parks team. Uh, there was uh, continued to be an increased uh, focus on fire prevention with some of the really intense fires we've seen. There was a lot of concern about the farmland preservation program. And I'll talk a little bit more about what we we're hearing about that um, in the next slide, I think. Uh, and then there was also a a combination of concern about the long-term cost of acquiring more park and open space land, but also an interest in um, acquiring some 
uh, key linkages. <clears throat> there was an increase. There's an interest in increased uh, bike accessible trails and places for dog walking. There's also an interest in enforcement of bike and dog rules, and there was a lot of interest in pickleball courts. That is a growing sport that has a lot of interest. Yeah. Then in the office hours visits that Kevin and I did with a lot of different community groups, again, we heard a lot of appreciation for the work going on um, and especially for the community grant program, um, but also a similar focus on fire prevention, <clears throat> an interest in a dedicated allocation for fire management, um, concern about farmland preservation. And one thing that we heard was an interest in a wider variety of types of farmland projects like carbon farming, regenerative agriculture, um, and stewardship of farmlands. But there was also quite a few people who um, didn't see the public value in that program and, and wanted no funding or a lot less funding for that program. Uh, then there was mixed feedback about land acquisition, similar to what I mentioned earlier. And there was a lot of interest in addressing systematic inequities uh, in access to parks and programs to help reduce barriers. Um, oh, and interest in maintaining the existing uh, set aside for cities and towns. So that concludes the presentation about the feedback that we got. So the next steps, like I mentioned before, on Friday, we're planning to uh, publish uh, and make public and share with the community our proposed uh, changes to the ordinance. And then we'll, next week, we're gonna provide an informational presentation to the Parks and Open Space Commission to get further feedback and potentially make changes to that draft. Then on uh, December 14th, we're gonna present the draft to our, um, to the Board of Supervisors and get more feedback. Again, an in just an informational item. And then on January 20th, we'll come to the Parks and Open Space Commission to consider uh, recommending uh, an updated expenditure plan and ordinance to the Board of Supervisors. And then in February, we'll have a hearing and a resolution to put it actually put it on the ballot. And March 11th is the deadline to do so. And that is the end of my presentation. I'm happy to answer any questions that you might all have. Have questions. Um, <coughs> when does the existing one expire? So the existing uh, measure expires at the end of March of 2022. So what kind of gap are we going to have? So there would be a gap from, so we wouldn't be able to collect revenue if the, if the community voted to approve an extension of the measure in June then we wouldn't start collecting revenue until October of that year. So we'd have a gap. We, Chris and I were talking about how we're working with our team and the county administrator's office to make sure we have enough reserves, enough fund balance to get us through a potential gap like that. And in fact, we've been setting aside enough fund balance to get at least our employees and some of the ongoing work that Measure A funds through the end of the calendar year. So we have enough enough to do that. And so our plan, like with the budget going, and I think Chris will mention this in a later board item, but I think it's also 
important for this to note that you know we're doing some very basic budgeting for next year knowing that whether we're successful or not mm-hmm. um, we're gonna have to relook at our budget uh, in the early summer is there, is there a plan B if a long-term plan B if a doesn't <laughs> I mean I don't want to curse it but I'd rather have a plan B just in case because yeah I, things that happen you know there it no the short answer is no it would be you know an extremely uh, big challenge for us so if we're not successful uh-huh. you know what does that mean you know a huge chunk of our staff is funded by measure a we've eliminated and reduced most of our park fees because of measure a all of our seasonal staff is funded by measure a nearly all of our fuels reduction works funded by measure a our trail road and trail works funded so it's you know we would uh it would it would ha- there'd be some really hard choices it, if i recall when measure a first was implemented and you were first starting getting revenue from the measure a we didn't spend it as we got it, that we kind of created a reservoir, so to speak, at first and kind of slowly tapered into that amount of spending. Yeah. Is there kind of a lag from that taper that's going to kind of hang over this period that some of that reserve that we had, that buffer would be able to be applied until the tax? Yeah, there, well, so we built up some fund balance, and but some of the projects that were in the planning stages early on came to the construction stage in the last several years. So in the last, I want to say three years, we spent that fund balance down um, considerably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, we still have some fund balance that mm-hmm. we're carrying forward, mm-hmm. and that's what's going to allow us to... Um, so there was a point where we were spending more than we were receiving because we had saved some, that uh, we had enough in the tank to, to make up that difference. Correct. That that tank is really diminished, so or, or not significantly diminished, but adequately diminished that it's enough to help get through this six-month gap, but not enough to cover it completely. Right. Okay. Well, it sounds like we should, someone should have a, maybe a cocktail hour conversation about Plan B or something, but at some point there should always be some kind of like, what would that mean? How would you respond? Uh, yeah, just no, I, I think it's a prudent conversation to have. I think you're right, Joe. Is that yeah. in uh, in uh, in a broad way, yep. we can we should be able to describe what that would mean for the department. But um, yeah, well, I think also that you can help campaign why it needs to be supported because this is this would be the impact over time. Yeah. So during that six months, do, does our sales tax go down by a quarter cents? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It seems like that's more of a pain in the ass for the oh, sorry, dip, a difficulty for the retailers and everyone who collect it to have to say, okay, well, that starts on this day. <laughs> we drop it down, and now it goes back up again. And well, I, I think it's fair to note that yeah. you know our intentions were certainly to go back to the voters prior to yes. the expiration of the of the current measure, but yep. given the pandemic and absolutely the, and the the fact that we were focused more on supporting yep. the county's response to the pandemic and staffing vaccination clinics, et cetera, um, is ultimately what decided, made the decision to push it out. <clears throat> and that's, again, why we tried to get on the recall ballot to stay ahead of it. Right. And we weren't successful there. So yeah. so here we are. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm certainly not trying to blame. I, okay, those are, those are my main questions. I want to make sure I don't hog the microphone. 
Larry, you have any comments or anything about? I have some comments. Yeah, please, David. Are we going to need to audit malt? Audit malt. So, um, the hmm, that's a good. Our the grant program. The way that our grant program works is that the uh, mall or other entities can request grants for easements. Right. And uh, and one of the things that uh, we've done over the past year or two is look into that grant program. And I think your oversight committee also sort of engaged with us around this to figure out, was there anything in our grant, in our grant program where we um, diligent in terms of making sure that uh, the funds were being used appropriately and that the grant program asked all the right questions to make sure that like there w wasn't any sort of wrongdoing in the use of, of our grant funds. And, um, and I, I think we investigated that deeply and we did make some changes. So for instance, <clears throat> previously there wasn't a requirement to show other appraisals before the appraisal that was um, included in uh, the grant disclosed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so the new, so our new requirement is that any appraisal within two years of an application has to be disclosed. Um, and, uh, but other than that, I don't know that we. And I, yeah, I don't know that we've. Um, is there anything else that we've well, done? Dan, I'll just add historically over the last eight or so years, the Department of Finance who audits all the subrecipients has chosen to audit MALT, I think at least three times. And the reason is they prioritize <laughs> the organizations that receive the highest amounts of money to audit the most frequently. So I believe that MALT has probably been audited more than almost any other organization <laughs> that's, that's received good. money as a subrecipient. Somebody's watching me, you better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I have a general comment. I think that uh, as far as the election goes, you want to push the parks because all of us were affected, every one of us. And thank goodness for our beautiful parks here in Marin. Absolutely. We have a beautiful gym next door here at McInnes. Um, you know, and you said 80%. Well, you don't count anything until after the votes are counted. <laughs> but you know that's where we should be looking and the the ag i would blunt the ag however you want to do it not because it's a bad idea or anything like that but it needs to be rethought okay and we need to and the rethinking is shows the reason ag is going up the way it is is not because somebody got too much money it's because people are disconnected from ag they don't understand the importance of the cheese the dairy, and the fact that that's where it comes from. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people just don't get it. So um, I'm just thinking that, you know, with parks and recreation, we should have summer camps, and the people that have received these easements and everything in that should be willing to help us out with uh, some maybe some day camp hike throughs and everything so kids can see it. I'm not worried about the adults. You're never going to change their mind. But the kids is where it's at. And the kids need to, to understand nature and feel about nature. And so we're talking about the disenfranchised here and whole nine yards. And I think it's a real doable program. I'll stop right there. Well, thanks, Dan. And I, I mean, I think there we heard similar comments from various folks that we met with. 
And I just invite, you know, I think for your committee, right, you all review expenditures to make sure that they're appropriate and align with the um, with the ordinance, but in the Parks and Open Space Commission has the role of recommending, you know, the the new ordinance, updated ordinance to the board, but I'd also as individuals, of course, like invite you to the Parks and Open Space Commission and board meetings, and then also to the public who may be viewing to um, to come to the commission meeting and board meeting, because it's this is a really critical time to hear feedback because it's the time that we have the opportunity to craft this in a way that's meaningful to the community that we represent. Uh, if I can ask, um, so I understand that part of the dynamic change with um, the agricultural component is shifting to the carbon farming. And maybe you can explain a little bit what that is and how we're kind of getting away from other types of agriculture into this, how this is, this is an opportunity to really uh, bring the agricultural portion further, I think. Yeah, gosh, it's a great question, and yeah. you know, I'm I certainly am not an expert in it, but it's something that we heard a lot from different folks that we met with, and um, and I think you know, as we <clears throat> look at how to craft the this measure, one a couple of people that we work closely with at the county are um, the UC Cooperative Extension and and our local ag commissioner for their expertise um, on these matters, but. Uh, you know, carbon farming, it's not just one thing, it's a set of, I think, 30 or more uh, best practices and includes, you know, putting compost on, uh, compost application to the landscape, you know, riparian restoration, planting hedgerows, you know, various sort of activities that, um, you know, in their total, they put together a carbon farm plan and, um, and then, uh, you know, it ends up being something that can help sequester carbon as a part of the operation of the ranch or farm right. uh, activity. And the Marin Resource Conservation District's been real involved in helping to make that possible here locally. Okay, great. We have any more questions or anything? Okay, so it sounds like we time to move on here. And uh, don't forget uh, the public comment on okay. Zoom. Okay, so we, we don't have any public comment here. Do we have any public comment from Al and his? Chair Malin, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, great. Um, okay, so then we want to um, move on to the staff. Are we on to number eight now? Seven. No, seven. We are seven. Okay, seven, six and seven seem like the same thing. But seven, seven is the subrecipient reports. Chris, are you? No. Kevin. Great. Thank you, Chair. The reward for presenting is taking your mask off and breathing for a yeah. second. So really <laughs> appreciate the time here. Um, Every year, you know, we try to bring a number of presentations to your committee to kind of see the work going on on the ground. And I'm giving you this presentation today. I know in the past we've um, invited speakers here from the cities and towns and other subrecipients as well. And I look forward to doing that again soon when folks are available. And also uh, the commission, I believe it was last month, went out to McGinnis and had their first uh, in-person meeting at a field site in a long time. And that went over great. And so. 
I feel like in the year to come, it'll be exciting to actually go out and maybe tour some of these sites that I talk about today. Um, but also feel free to tour them yourself when you're out in the community. So uh, as you know, in February, we actually invite the auditors here and they give you the hard numbers after their audits are completed. This is more of a high level overview of some of the exciting work that's been completed on the ground. And I just want to appreciate all the subrecipients, which include the 19 cities, towns, and districts, as well as a number of community organizations that connect people with parks in our community. And uh, folks like the Marin RCD doing the agricultural work because they really were able to um, sustain and continue a lot of this work even in spite of COVID and dealing with uh, a lot of community stressors, mental health issues, um, disturbances to their business models and other things, which I'll talk um, about throughout this presentation. So I'll just begin with the cities, towns, and special districts. And um, one exercise I thought would be fun to go through was to look at the most recent complete set of numbers reported to us through the expenditure plans um, or expenditure reports we received from all those 19 and look at how they're spending their money. And so you can see here in this pie chart that uh, parks maintenance and improvements were number one. So the biggest slice of the pie is for that type of work, followed by vegetation management and then a variety of other uses. I think there are two points here. One, this definitely follows the way that Marin County Parks spends their money and a lot of community priorities. But this money is also really flexible and that's really critical for this program specifically because each of these 19 cities, towns, and special districts are different. They have different types of facilities. Some own more open space properties than others. So you'll see, for instance, that in cases like uh, San Rafael or um, Tamalpais CSD, that if they have more open space, they're actually doing a lot more um, fire fuels management, vegetation treatments than some of the other places that don't have as much of those properties um, and may have more playgrounds and other facilities. So it's been a really successful program. This is actually a project that's happening in Marinwood right now that's a long-needed um, maintenance facility that will really increase their capacity and reduce some of their costs, um, as well as has a positive environmental impact. There are a couple of specific projects I want to talk to you about. The first is Piper Park in Larkspur. Now, this is an example, like so many others, where Larkspur has continued to invest in a couple of key park locations over time. So they haven't done one big huge project at once. They've actually done many projects to improve a park over time. And so at this park specifically, most recently they improved their volleyball courts as well as their big picnic area, which is really heavily used, especially on the weekends. But they've also, um, you know, in years past, uh, repaved their multi-use path that creates a connection between the local school and that park. Uh, they redid the tennis courts and um, other facilities in that area, the playground, for instance. You can also see that they're one of the municipalities that has put up a sign, and so they're actually recognizing Measure A and its contribution, which is really great. And there's a map showing that location if you're not familiar. Um, it's a really beautiful park. The second example is Plaza Park in Mill Valley, uh, which you may not even notice because it's such a tourist hub that it often gets lost in the hustle and bustle of people visiting downtown, going to restaurants, and then this is like a wonderful outdoor casual space to hang out right in the center of downtown. So Measure A funds paid for this restroom complex that really serves that um, outdoor park hub. This is the second major infrastructure project that Mill Valley's done. The first was this huge tennis complex that they did uh, a few years back. And their strategy has been to save Measure A dollars over a period of years and then make these big investments. So in this case, this project was uh, over $560,000 and 
the um, Mill Valley contributed uh, 250,000 in local funds to match Measure A funding. Um, the Chamber of Commerce is actually right around the corner from this, so it's a great intersection between parks and um, the business community. I'll now jump into the community grant pool. Uh, as you know, every year we fly um, solicitations for organizations to apply for community grants, and the focus of this program is to help to connect underserved or low-income communities to parks, communities that uh, experience barriers to parks. This is one example, which is rising environmental youth leaders. This is focused on youth. Uh, and um, Dan, I was just thinking about your comment and the importance of connecting with youth first, and I feel like Grecia Pacheco, who's the head of this program, has done outstanding work, especially in the last year of engaging young people because, what I was talking about. and you know, it was frankly amazing to sit with her in some of these spaces where they're having to work on Zoom because they can't meet in person and just doing incredible engagement work. They're really building community among groups of youth around outdoor stewardship. They're bringing in the National Park Service in this case to have a um, conversation about, uh, I think in this case it was like forest stewardship and fire practices. And then finally, it's been such a breath of fresh air in the last several months to see them, in this case, get out on a kayak trip. Uh, this year, we continue to hear about the importance of breaking down transportation barriers. Um, Transportation is probably the most significant barrier for all of our community grantees and community partners when it comes to getting people outdoors and really emphasizes the importance of things like the city and town program and building local parks that are near people so that they have access within walking distance. Just a summary of who we funded this year and where things are headed. Um, you'll notice all these organizations represent a really wide range of uh, community needs. We have seniors, youth, uh, we have people with different ability levels, people living in geographies across the entire county. And one thing that we're seeing more and more is a desire to work together across these organizations and really break down some of the historic um, uh, structural segregation that we see in Marin. So I think traditionally when this grant program started, we saw a lot of individual groups going together who were, spent all their time together from, you know, where they were in their own community out to a park, but they were just together. There was no mixing with other groups, um, young people mixing together across different parts of Marin. And now we're seeing a lot more of that and a lot more partnership where people are getting out together and we're seeing some of those um, barriers being broken down. I wanna share just three quotes with you um, that kind of frame up what's been happening with these grantees over the last year. And the first one's with Umoja Unity Project. They specifically focus on uh, a couple of intersections. So they've been using parks for wellness for their residents and community members, but they're primarily focused on mental health as well as domestic abuse. So there's been a lot of suffering. They actually didn't apply for a grant this year because there's su been such an increase in mental health challenges as well as domestic abuse um, victims and issues. And so uh, their hands are full, but they noted that uh, after introducing their families to outdoor experiences, they've continued to uh, go outdoors to the parks they're introduced to day after day, week after week with their families, with their kids, and it's been a huge source of healing for them. They also mentioned um, that uh, very simple things like a gate around a playground can be enough of a visual barrier that people, um, because of this deeply felt sense of not belonging, um, will choose not to go through that gate because they feel like it's telling them that they don't belong, that the playground's not open to them and their kids. 
Um, so grantees like that have also helped us to understand some of these structural issues that people are facing that may be invisible to us. Two more, um, North Green Community Services, which also provides a huge range of community services and did during COVID. Just talked about the importance of our website resources, um, things that Christina Torreson and her team, our communication staff have developed where you can actually go on and type in or select exactly what kind of park experience you want. So maybe you want a kayak trip, you want to go biking, you need a restroom, and it'll help you to find what parks um, serve those types of needs. Uh, grantees like North Marin Community Services have been actively coaching their families on tools like that, and their families have been using them to find new park experiences. Lastly, wise choices for girls. Um, just, you know, these are young women who have really benefited from going outdoors. Um, Alexis Wise is an active coach of young women um, and uh, supports them in healing and empowerment. And so the outdoor environment has been um, exceptional for that work. And she often notes that people, again, continue to go outside, use the parks um, to continue to live a good, um, full life. Uh, one last thing about this program, we launched a park prescriptions tool this year that basically the, the goal was to move away from this warm handholding model where it's very resource intensive and instead provide every type of service provider a tool where they can actively coach um, the people they work with on going outdoors and enjoying parks. So the tool that we most recently presented to this big uh, senior conference helps uh, healthcare providers and all kinds of other folks working with communities to go through basically a script and help people to understand the benefits of parks, where to go, how to enjoy parks, um, and how to basically get into um, an active lifestyle um, if they haven't been participating in one already. Finally, I just want to end with the slide talking about the Marin Resource Conservation District and say that for the Farmland Preservation Program, there are no easement acquisitions this year. Um, but the Marin RCD does receive a formula grant to do stewardship on easement-protected properties and continue to do great work. Um, you know, their work is really focused on protecting water quality, developing water sources, uh, doing composting, improving facilities, um, putting up fencing to make sure the cattle don't, you know, get into the creeks and um, promoting great grazing practices and all that good stuff. So. Uh, one thing I want to flag about the Marin RCD is that they're uh, excellent at raising matching funds, and so there is a 50% match requirement for the funding that we give out, which is, I think, roughly around 120000 a year. Um, so they match that, but they match it um, by a lot because they're um, also seeking federal funds, state funds, and so the total impact um, on stewardship on farmland in Marin is really big. Devin, I'd like to make a comment. Sure, and that, that concludes we my... Talking about the ag here in the county and that buffers along creeks okay are very important for the maintaining you know the environment along those creeks uh, just for doing a lot of work on out there in San Geronimo when we were creek out there so when we're when we're when we were talking just a minute ago or I mentioned that we needed to rethink about what we wanted to do with ag uh, this is kind of like what I would think the easements we want to look at when we're talking to people about about ag because people can really connect with that okay and those at the same time that you create those buffers you can create walking paths and everything for people to hike along you know it all it, it one thing dovetails into the next 
this was mine. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Okay, is that the end of your report? That's it, yep, okay. thank you. Does anybody else have any comments or any questions about that, Michael or Larry? Very nice, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Everybody, so far, well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I was curious about this, uh, this um, teach the village to fish thing. Yes. C can you explain that a little more, how that works? Yeah, so we work collaboratively with partners that have worked with us on park prescriptions in the past. Uh -huh. And the traditional approach has been to uh, spend a lot of staff capital and partner capital to uh, basically work with the local clinic systems, the healthcare clinics, uh -huh. and identify groups that either suffer from hypertension or some other type of, um, you, you know, problem that they want to resolve. And then we leverage the outdoors to create like a wellness model. And so there are programs, we get people outside. In this case, what we started to hear was from, I think it was East Bay Regional Parks actually, that um, their research with um, the Bay Clinic system there in the East Bay, sorry, I can't remember it, was that actually this um, less intensive model of just empowering people to coach on getting outdoors and improving health was just as effective. And so we developed this tool collaboratively and we tested it with some partners. And this is basically like a one-stop shop for coaching people on how to just take the first step outdoors by themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I, I think we still see a huge need for investing in the warm hand-holding approach in a lot of cases through our community grantees because um, we see such a great benefit, but uh, we're limited in resources. You know, We don't have tens of millions of dollars to fund everybody to be doing that work, and so this is a great way to just um, multiply that impact. So is there like target groups and stuff that we're trying to get across so that they can get it in their culture, that they know that these, these resources are available to them is that how we're trying to convey this I mean like we work with Rin Community Foundation or Rin Community Clinics or different aging groups and things like that we do we partnered with Marin Community Clinics okay. and the Marin City Clinic for okay. years but right. actually yes yeah, so it was good to present this to the larger like um, senior serving community of organizations including groups like Mercy Housing and Lita and others um, but I think that the more widely this can be shared, the better, because every healthcare provider I've ever talked to says, I know patients that would love to get outside. It's a great fit. It would mm. really serve them. So I just feel like having this tool in hand, it empowers anyone to be able to do that basic coaching to help people access the outdoors. Right. It seems like, I know there's been a lot of change with Vivalon and the um, Marin Community Transit System, uh, you know, losing the contract. but. Is that someone that we would ever want to have some kind of dialogue with to kind of help get people out to places or be able to arrange it? It's kind of like almost like Uber to the park type thing, but uh, uh, you know, less intimidating way, I guess. Yeah, they, they've been a great partner in the past. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, I don't have any other comments, so um, thank you very much for your report. Thanks. Okay, do we want to open it up to uh, public comment? Uh, obviously, we don't have anybody that no one's come in the room since we started, so uh, we want to go to Al. Chair Malin, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, great. Um, okay, now we want to go on to eight. Um,
So we want to talk about the work funded in uh, by Measure A. And this is, we got some other people in the audience who are going to make some presentations on that. Maybe I can uh, kick this off just by, you know, saying this is an annual presentation that we do both and then subsequently to our Parks and Urban Space Commission. And I just want to start by really appreciating our team that works uh, really hard to implement all of these important projects and to um, make sure that they're planned in an open, transparent way with the community being engaged. And so we have some really outstanding members of our team here to present to you today about their work. Yeah, if, if I can really quick, I have to say that my own, I've noticed that the public, you know, they're always writing comments about little details and stuff, but it seems like they're never really, I don't know how much this information gets in front of them because it seems like you guys spell things out pretty well and that a lot of people don't get that. Um, it's too bad that people weren't more aware of these resources where they start shooting arrows at people that they realize these things are being addressed and that there's ways for them to know that you guys have your eye on the ball here. So thanks. All right, great. Yeah. Well, hello everyone. My name is Jim Chaka. I'm a super, uh, superintendent with our department. And um, one of the key areas that I manage is our, um, in, together with our natural resources team is our vegetation management program. Um, you know, this has always been core to our department's work, but you know, with the devastating wildfires in recent years, it's it's become amplified. And you know, Measure A has been uh, a great resource for us to really focus on this work and to develop meaningful partnerships to leverage additional funds to make sure that we're protecting our communities, we're protecting biodiversity, and managing weeds throughout all of our lands. Um, so I have five slides I'm going to go through, and um, will we pause for questions at the end of this, or wait for the conclusion? Probably go to the at the end. Okay. So this is a map of, of Marin County, and there's a lot of different um, blobs going on there, but I, I want to just draw your attention to a, a, few, a few points here. Um, you know, the, the wilderness urban interface, the wildland urban interface basically um, is where all the wildlands come together with folks' backyards, with developed areas, where undeveloped areas meet developed areas. Um, and those are critical work areas to protect communities from the risk of wildfire. Um, there on this map in red is all of the places where the wilderness urban interface overlaps on our lands. So, you know, just kind of looking at that, you can see that we have a wide distribution. There's a lot of areas where we focus. And there's about 5,000 acres represented there in red. And that's, that tallies up to be about a third of all of our open space lands are folks' backyards. So these are places that are really critical for us to focus um, and to make sure that we're partnering with the residents themselves and the local fire jurisdictions to do meaningful uh, hazard reduction work there. So this is a, a typical um, view of Marin. You know, we have these communities that are tucked in the hills in these bucolic settings and, you know, vegetation everywhere. And um, while that's a beautiful setting, it's also, you know, there's a lot of work to do to protect the folks that are in those areas and a lot of work that they need to do as well. You know, and as, as land managers, we, we have a, a complex set of goals, and we work with a diverse set of stakeholders that champion these particular, particular issues. It's, it's fuels reduction, which um, for the most part, you know, we're focusing on that 100 feet of defensible space between homes and, and the wildlands. So fuels reduction, um, addressing weeds. And so, you know, what's a weed? A weed is 
a plant not in the right place for the most part. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of these wooey areas, the wilderness urban interface, you know, they're, they're disturbed areas because of construction and just sort of legacy issues um, that are a hotbed for the introduction of weeds. And so those are places that we want to make sure that we're doing work, not just to reduce the fuels issue, but to make sure that those weeds are not, you know, propagating into our wildlands and then eroding, um, you know, habitat value and just creating issues with biodiversity elsewhere. So it's a buffer. You know, we, we're, we're buffering the community from the threat of wildfire. We're buffering our preserves from the threat of invasive species. So there's multiple benefits there that we're trying to tackle in doing our work. Um, so, you know, those are, those are the goals of our work, and I want to just move on now to the tools and some of the ways that Measure A helps us get this work done. Um, you know, in the implementation phase, you know, we, we have our staff, like, like Max mentioned, in terms of um, what Measure A has done, um, in terms of our seasonals and our other staff, our maintenance staff. Um, our staff spend a lot of time just uh, maintaining our existing facilities. I mean, that's, that's kind of the catch with a lot of this work as we do it you know, every year, um, it doesn't stop growing. So we need to stay on top of this and make sure that we're maintaining important corridors like our fire roads. Um, you know, our fire roads, you know, they're, they're facilities in and of itself. They're, they're not just corridors from one place to another, but they are also places that need to be maintained and create uh, safe spaces for our fire and our first responders to work if there's a fire um, in any of those areas. Um, so our team is partnering, you know, in, in all those areas to limb up trees, to push back uh, vegetation from the edges of the road to create safe working areas, to protect users, but our, our bike users, our trail users, our equestrians from um, low limbs or, you know, hazard trees. Um, and as I mentioned before, doing the same things of the, the weed management and the early detection of weeds in those areas to make sure that we're protecting our open spaces. Um, another tool and another crew and source of work is uh, what we call the TAM crew. And we just wrapped up last year a really successful two-year program working with the TAM crew, which is um, a name for a group of vegetation management specialists that are employed by Marin County Fire. So it's a crew of about 15 um, young folks. They, are, they have aspirations to have a career in the fire, you know, in the fire world. And this is one way for them to get experience um, in doing this wildland work. And, um, you know, they're, they're really effective. They're highly trained. They understand uh, spacing. They understand um, the principles of vegetation management. But they also have other tools at their disposal that some of our other contractors in the private sector may not have, such as uh, being able to create burn piles and dispose of fuels that way in really challenging areas where bringing a chipper or just hauling off-site is not possible. Um, they're able to stack material in a way that it can, um, you know, dry out and then be ignited later safely and tended by them with water tenders and other things to, to dispose of fuels. You see a, a, the picture on the left um, with the big flames there and the folks in their backyard kind of checking it out. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's amazing. I mean, folks really like, you know, it creates a lot of anxiety sometimes, just the, the, the concept of having this happen. But when it happens, and uh, our residents are able to see how safely and how professionally our partners are able to do this work. I think it just um, it just relieves a lot of a lot of anxiety and um, you know is a great way to reduce costs on how you how you dispose of this material too. Um, another key partnership I wanted to highlight today is is um, some of our youth cores. So there's a local core here in Marin called Conservation Corps North Bay. Um, 
this is a training organization for individuals 18 to 25 years old primarily that are trying to work on either getting their high school diploma or continuing education and developing job skills because they may have an interest in you know going on to a, a career in the environmental field so this partnership allows us to use measure a funds to hire this this group to come out and do vegetation management uh, get a familiarity with our lands be able to build relationships with our staff understand um, kind of our, our values in terms of how we do our stewardship and develop those hard skills and for us um, you know we're able to advance some of our equity and diversity and our inclusion goals because it's a diverse population of individuals and provide direct training to those folks that may be able to come on as seasonals or future employees I mean Max and I are both um, alumni from that organization we have many folks on our staff that are here currently or have worked here in the past and gone on to retire so it's a key partnership and um, it's one that Measure A really does help make possible. So I'll, I'll just close um, my part of the presentation here just to highlight one area, um, Ring Mountain. And uh, you know, when I saw this photo, I was like, you know, this looks like this is a photo from the future. This is when Measure A has passed and the sun is rising <laughs> and we are filled with sunshine and optimism about uh, you know, what our ability to carry on this important work. And one of the things that make Ring Mountain particularly important and sort of exemplifies the challenges of our work in vegetation management is that, um, you know, there are plants that exist in this location that exist nowhere else in the world. It's surrounded on all sides by communities. And um, so it's really important that, you know, we balance our work with protecting those same communities with um, balancing uh, our need to protect those species and keep our native grasslands intact and, you know, develop resilient landscapes. That's, that's kind of our goal in all, a lot of our program areas is this resiliency or sustainability and how we do this. Well, how can we protect our lands and do our vegetation management in a, in a way that strengthens our lands? Um, so that's, that's the conclusion of my presentation. I'm going to hand it off to Chris here who's going to talk about wetlands and sea level rise adaptation. Thank you, Jim. We want to hold any questions for Jim until after. Yeah, we'll hold off then. Okay. Yeah, I think, okay. you know, you, yeah, yeah okay. probably easiest if at the end you just bring all the questions and then the public comment. Okay. All right. Good afternoon, committee members. I am, uh, I'm pinch hitting uh, here uh, for Veronica Pearson, our senior ecological restoration planner. Uh, she's been called away to uh, another meeting that uh, was of high importance as well. So I'm happy to jump in and talk about um, our wetlands and sea level rise resiliency work uh, that Measure A has allowed us to, um, to execute over this past year. Uh, so sea level rise resiliency projects is what I'm going to talk about. Um, as we all know, uh, yeah, I think as, as early as last week, uh, we had some sunny day, high tide, king tide flooding. Uh, along uh, our Mill Valley Sausalito multi-use path and, and many other areas here in the county. Um, so we know um, we've got some challenges. We've got a lot of shoreline around the county uh, and our parks and preserves uh, are, are not exclusive of that challenge with, the, with these rising tides. So um, what I wanted to do is, is talk a little bit about some of those resiliency projects that we're working on, uh, starting with uh, the McGinnis Marsh Restoration Project, uh, the Bothine Marsh Evolving Shorelines Project, the Bolinas Lagoon Y wetlands, uh, and those are three of the priority uh, sea level rise adaptation projects um, that we've got ongoing. 
All three of these projects are in design development uh, and they address the need to improve the resiliency of our wetlands in order to, uh, for them to persist in the face of anticipated future sea level rise. This year headway was made on the Bothine Marsh conceptual designs and the advancement of 65% design development for the Bolinas Lagoon Y wetlands project. Uh, the Bothine Marsh Open Space Preserve uh, in partnership with the Golden Gate National Parks Conservancy. Uh, we have been studying anticipated impacts with sea level rise at the preserve and developing conceptual design uh, designs for adaptation. This past year we've uh, solicited public feedback on three conceptual designs for the multi-use path at Bothine Marsh. Uh, and we had overwhelming support for concept number three which was labeled Ring the Marsh uh, that would relocate the multi-use path or a segment of the multi-use path through South Bothine uh, Marsh to the western perimeter of the preserve, effectually pulling the, the multi-use path out to the edge of the preserve, to the western edge. This allows for marsh enhancement efforts to occur along the shoreline near the existing pathway that would be eliminated if we were to keep the pathway along its current alignment. Uh, over the next year, we are funded to evaluate the feasibility and design constraints for this alignment and conduct additional studies uh, that will help us develop appropriate restoration actions that could include reconnecting the neighboring Coyote Creek to the marsh. All right, moving along to the Bolinas Lagoon Y Wetlands Project. Uh, our design team is working on the 60% design development of that. Uh, and is in constant contact with Caltrans, the Coastal Commission, and other regulatory agencies. Uh, the Bolinas Y Wetlands Resiliency Project is a critical piece of the vision for the north end of Bolinas Lagoon and is entirely on lands owned and managed by the county that addresses infrastructure impediments to restoring wetland connectivity. The project also improves fish habitat and connects Lewis Gulch Creek to its former floodplain by elevating Olima Bolinas Road and installing a full span bridge. The design will also improve traffic circulation and safety. Uh, the design of the project includes predictions for five and a half feet of sea level rise and a 100 year storm event. Uh, the project is fully funded for design using Measure A and state grants and has partial funding for implementation from the US Fish and Wildlife Service National Coastal Wetlands Conservation Program. All right, I was told to stick to my script, so I'm going to hand it <laughs> off to uh, our senior uh, open space planner, or our principal open space planner, John Campos. Thanks, Chris. Good afternoon, folks. First public in-person presentation in two years. All right. <laughs> All right. So my name is John Campo. I'm the principal natural resource planner, and I'm going to give you my flash quick presentation on road and trail management plan for the last year and then looking forward a little bit. Um, I think, Dan, you mentioned earlier about the, the value of trails and open space during the pandemic. I mean, it was really evident to us. We saw a 120% increase in our trail use. Um, it was a sanctuary for folks. Um, me, personally, all of our soccer games, volleyball games were canceled. I was on the trails with the kids pretty much every weekend. I think most of us were, and um, that was largely due to the investments we've been able to make through Measure A, which has been great. Um, this year we had our marquee trail project out at Rush Creek on the east end. Um, that was a really a, a revisioning of some old Jeep roads and social trails that were unsustainable. 
Um, we had some goals. We really wanted to connect to the equestrian center there that is right adjacent to the property that doesn't have any designated access. So now, actually this week, we're probably gonna make that connection. It won't be open until the spring, but that connection's being made and hopefully that project will wrap up at the end of next week. We've added um, a mile and a half of trails with this project. Um, something for everybody we have hiking only trails we have multi-use trails equestrian trails and um, in trails that are more appropriate for older folks um, that might have mobility issues too so it's a great project and as with every year we focus on improving our emergency access we coordinate with local and county fire departments to prioritize um, the strategic fire roads that need some help um, so this year was no different. We continue with that effort like we do every year. Um, this year, we, we really doubled down on infrastructure improvements. Um, we wanted to make improvements to some structures such as trail bridges. This one is out at Deer Island Preserve. Um, we did several of them. We did uh, new retaining walls, um, trail steps, trail resurfacing, and open space gates. Um, so every year we're trying to maintain our trail system. We have 70 miles of trail and 100 miles of roads and there's a lot of structures out there and, and they need repairs and replacement. So this year we really doubled down our efforts. And then looking forward to uh, our planning efforts. Um, this is uh, the regional trail planning for Ring Mountain Old St. Hillary. Um, this represents Region 6, which is the last of our regional trail planning efforts. So that will be a huge accomplishment to finish that. Um, and then, and this public meeting is on the 17th, which is next week. And this will inform future projects at these sites. This itself is not a project, but it'll inform future projects. And then um, looking at some of the other planning efforts, this and this is by no means a comprehensive list we probably have about 20 different plans we're working on but um, this is bowman canyon which was our newest acquisition in Novato, and we are working with um, stakeholders from the equestrians the cycling environmental community um, to get a, a sense of developing shared goals and um, through informed assessments such as uh, vegetation and wildlife as we learn more about the land, we share it with those stakeholders, and then we develop goals around access and resource protection. And this one's right across the street, over at Terra Linda, uh, right behind the high school, um, is the Memorial Trail. It's an old Jeep road that goes straight up into the preserve. It's super steep, it's a terrible trail. And so we're looking to reimagine that trail, um, again, to create access um, for the high school and the athletic programs there for the co cross-country teams the mountain biking teams as well as the neighbors and the equestrians that live in Los Ranchitos um, so we're hoping to have this plan available for public review uh, middle to end of 2022 and Roy's Redwoods is another um, long-term planning effort which we're getting closer on and that one Again, improved access uh, with a focus on inclusive access. So if, you, if you're in a wheelchair or a stroller, there would be trail segments appropriate for that. And then um, improving the 
floodplain hydrology in the redwood uh, resiliency. There's one of four, this is one of four old growth redwood groves in Marin. And so we want to ensure that we're storing water on site to ensure the longevity of those redwood trees. So this is a beautiful site. This is a super exciting project. And again, hoping to have that out for public comment and review middle 2022, end of 2022. And then, you know, all these, oh, uh-huh. Redwood, you're storing water for them? So, um, that that grove is the old growth redwood grove larson creek flows right through there and currently the way that that creek flows and with that big storm we just had right. that's like a fire hydrant it just shoots through that redwood grove so we want to slow it spread it sink it and store the water on site and have it act as um, you know kind of sponge so the ground should be spongy instead if you go out there during a big rain event two days later it's just gone it just really? flows okay. right through really fast um do you know that redwood, you know, actually, the fog, they get a lot of their, you know, of course, we, with climate change and everything, that's why we're seeing the, the death of a lot of redwood folks, right? It, yeah. The, the fog. There's, a, there's a, I could talk for hours about that okay. Roy's project, but I will mention one thing. That's um, not to get too technical. That, is, that will be the first stage zero floodplain restoration project in Marin County. So we're really excited about that. It's kind of a theoretical concept on hydrology and floodplain management. Mm -hmm. And so the regulatory agencies are really excited about it. We're excited that hopefully we're going to be able to push it forward as the first one in Marin. I'm just going to tweak an idea here because I just read about Santa Rosa pumping water back into their aquifers. I don't know, know anything about the aquifers here in, in Marin County or if they even exist. But it's something that this marine water and what you're talking about here and it drying out as quickly as it does that maybe that's uh have some conversations see what pops out of that yeah yep it's yeah. good um and then finally just um taking care of what we have is kind of our measure a slogan and you know all of these resource protection public access projects are built on this foundational principle of taking care of what we have and that goes for, you know, the trail bridges, but also, more importantly, the critters that live in the open space. So um, we have, we're blessed to have sensitive species such as spotted owls, badgers, western pond turtles, yellow-legged frogs, and we want to take care of those species as we develop these projects. We want to work with the environmental community and kind of check our work and make sure that we're, we're hitting all the marks on that. Um, that's, that's it for my presentation. Wow. A lot. <laughs> Thank you, John. Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Richards. I'm a senior landscape architect with Parks. And let me familiarize myself a little bit. So is this the air? All right, so I'm going to be talking about the parks, facilities, and landscape projects that we've um, undertook in the last, um, uh, in the recent past, and also be talking about uh, future ones that we're uh, working on the planning phase for. Um, so uh, this is a list of recently impl implemented projects utilizing Measure A funds, and I will go through this list uh, one by one. 
the Mill Valley Sausalito Pathway is one of our most well-used park facilities and is an extremely popular biking and walking path. It's about a mile and a half. Um, in the photo here, it's passing through Mo uh, Bothine Marsh. Um, so this project addresses maintenance issues with a micro resurfacing coating on the path. Uh, this before photo shows cracking and wear and tear on the path surface. This is a photo during uh, construction. Um, so uh, it was the pathway was closed for two days, um, and uh, because it's so popular, uh, we worked to ferry bikers and walkers around the project um, during the work, and uh, it worked. I understand it went very smoothly, um, <laughs> although there was a lot, uh, obviously, logistically to plan for that. Uh, between the two bridges that are on this pathway. Um, we couldn't get we couldn't get uh, equipment in to access the the pathway, so the material actually had to be wheelbarrowed in, and you can see that in this photo here, the workers are are um, bringing it in and spreading it. Um, outside of those two bridges, the the path the micro resurfacing was laid down by a paper. Um, so this is a photo after construction, and you can see a uh, improved and more uniform finished surface. And um, we're just finishing up the striping now, and the pathway is currently open to the public. The McNears Beach Park parking lot improvement project is under construction now in San Rafael at our um, regional park. Uh, it is a, a large parking lot um, with about 173 spots. The goals of this project are to uh, resurface the parking lot, improve vehicular uh, circulation, and create new landscape meeting medians that uh, will provide bioretention treatment for the stormwater um, runoff, and also create um, areas to plant new shade trees in the parking lot. Uh, Measure A funds were leveraged uh, by a significant Prop 68 RIRE grant for this project. This is a photo before construction. You can see potholing and cracking. Um, also, the medians are very pinched, so circulation in the, in the parking lot was uh, challenging, especially at the entryway point there. Um, the trees are in, most of them were in uh, fairly poor, poor health, um, so we are replacing those, as I said. And this is a uh, photo during construction, um, which it is currently in construction right now. And uh, you can see the excavations for paving uh, resurfacing and also new me medians and some formwork um, for the new concrete curbs at the medians. So this project uh, we're, we are hoping will be wrapping up um, in the next couple months. The Black Point Boat Launch um, is a facility in Novato near Highway 37 and the mouth of the Petaluma River. It's a popular boat launch and fishing spot. Um, it has had uh, in the past some old site furnishings and some very exposed areas without shade. So um, this project addressed those, um, those goals to improve those um, aspects of the, of the, um, of the facility. Again, on this project, Measure A funds were leveraged by a significant National Fish and Wildlife Foundation grant. Uh, this photo shows uh, before and after. You can see a new bait table was installed and um, new bike racks. Here we have new trash, re trash and recycling receptacles. 
And then um, new uh, picnic tables that are ADA accessible. There are three on this at this uh, facility and also um, some new slit rail fencing. This is a progress photo of a shade structure being installed. Um, since this photo was taken, there the roof panels are in. Um, so we have a solid roof to the to the shade structure. Also, shade trees were uh, planted as well as other um, landscape plants. This project is wrapping up now. Uh, so dog waste is an ongoing challenge in our parks and open spaces, and we are updating our dog waste receptacles to be secure and accessible. Uh, we also have new signage with clear messaging about why dog waste is bad for our ecosystems and watersheds. Examples of the sign messaging, if you can read them, are bag it, trash it, and my favorite, stop pollution. Um, we have installed 21 um, dog stations at high use open space entries, and um, we are promoting this program on social media. You can see a couple of the, the images on the right there, and we've been getting um, positive feedback from the public on that. And um, we will be implementing phase two at additional sites next. So now um, I will talk about uh, a few future projects currently in the planning and design phase which uh, would benefit from a hopeful Measure A extension. Uh, we are planning for a new all-weather multi-user asphalt pump track in Stafford Lake Park. Uh, funding would come through Measure A and also other grants and fundraising done by Friends of the Stafford Lake Bike Park. Um, the photo on the left, the big photo is kind of an inspiration photo. Uh, the photo on the upper right shows the existing site that we are looking at at, uh, at Stafford Lake, uh, which is near Novato Boulevard in uh, a, an area that's used for overflow parking. And on the lower right is the concept plan for the pump track, which includes a series of rollers and berm turns, and which will accommodate a wide range of users and age groups. So this is a prelim preliminary draft design for a five-mile bike pedestrian trail in Stafford Lake Park. Um, the goal here is to extend trail access to park amenities and to direct bike and pedestrian traffic away from parking lots and park roads. Some of the focus areas are, I'm going to, I don't think, oh, yeah, actually, I didn't realize this. This will help. Okay, so um, where my cursor is, is um, shows where we're going to be. Uh, working on a Novato bike path connection, and then also connections to the picnic area and playground, and then uh, further along uh, connections to the future um, uh, pump track that would be located here, and then connections to the uh, bike park. And then you can see in white, there. this shows a lakeside trail that we <coughs> are um, looking to put in for, you know, a, just a positive user experience of a trail <coughs> along, along the water. Um, and then there would be connections to the back meadow and then to the disc golf course um, that's on this hillside here. And um, we would actually like to improve the disc golf course layout and provide a trail that is uh, safe and compatible with the disc golf uh, course use while also protecting sensitive resources and maintaining the Terwilliger Nature Trail. Uh, this is ongoing planning and design effort. 
Then lastly, uh, we plan to improve wayfinding signage at Mill Valley Sausalito Pathway. We are looking to create a cohesive and clear signage system. This builds on the success of our open space wayfinding signage and is part of a larger sign plan project. Uh, this project will be a pilot project um, that we plan to implement soon. So that concludes my section of the uh, presentation. I think we're going to wrap it up. Wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, I think we can go one more slide. Is that it? I think that's it. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So that wraps up the presentation. Uh, happy to field any questions uh, that you all may have and certainly hear from the public if they have any. Okay, so I guess we'll ask any of the other commissioners here. Do you have any questions or? I do not. I think it's wonderful. I think it's great. You guys are really doing a wonderful yeah. job. I, I'm overwhelmed. Every time I see this, it's just like amazing. And I can imagine, you know, with not having Measure A money to do all this stuff. Um, one, you know, say, Jim, I, I just say, I, you know, I get on the trails a lot. I'm always impressed how I'm hiking somewhere, there's a downed tree, and some obscure trail, and think, well, no one's going to see this for six months. And I come back, and it's already been addressed. It's just amazing how the word gets out quickly. It seems like you guys respond. Um, and so, you know, I want to say kudos to everybody. John, and is it Eva? Sarah. Sarah. Oh, Sarah. Okay, I wrote down wrong. Um, really impressive. Oh my gosh. And just, I, I don't know if this is the right place to ask, but I was wondering because you know, we are a coastal, um, a coastal county, is there any access to beach or, I mean, all I know is like what national park and state access. I never really see anything about access to um, ocean places where there's always issues between private ownerships and different things like that. Is there much of that in our portfolio? Yeah, so we we have <clears throat> we have one Pacific, you know, oceanfront beach that we manage, which is Upton Beach, which is you know, if you've been to Stinson Beach, there's the National Park Service part of Stinson Beach, which you're probably familiar with. And then if you kept walking up the beach north just north of the parking lot, it becomes a county beach, oh. Upton Beach. The dog manage. part. The dog part, okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And okay. then it narrows and uh, is no longer a county beach in front of the Sea Drift property. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a fairly small portion that's a county beach. And then we do manage beaches. So uh, Chicken Ranch Beach on Tomales Bay is one of our park facilities. Okay. White House Pool, which is sort of on the south end of uh, uh, Tomales Bay. There's a boat launch, Miller Boat Launch on Tomales Bay as well. So, <clears throat> and then every all of our other coastal properties are on the bay. Okay. Sort of. Do, is there any plans to provide additional access, or is that all? Is most all the I haven't looked at what's managed by who, but is most of our coast is either national or state, right? Is there correct? So yeah, we're on the 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 Pacific Ocean uh -huh. side. It's uh, almost entirely national okay. park, and with some, you know, steep ravine is a section that's state park there mm -hmm. on the coast. And how, how about like the uh, Bolinas and the Stinson and Muir Beach areas? Are there areas there that are part of county? So yeah, again, like uh, Muir Beach, uh -huh. that's all National Park Service. Uh -huh. uh, 
Stinson Beach, like I mentioned, that the south part is National Park Service. There's a portion of county. I see. And then the, we manage the lagoon as one of our open space preserves. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, it, and then what was your other question? Uh, oh, I was Bolinas. just asking about Bolinas. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bolinas is a funny one because Brighton Beach that's there at huh. Bolinas is, it's the access there is owned by the county, but for it has never been actively managed by the huh. county. It's just a. So who who takes care of it, or it's just, just the it's community? Not, it's a, it's basically sort of an it's unmanaged. Bolinas, yeah, right, right. I mean, right. the other place that we do manage sort of is Agate Beach. So in Bolinas, uh -huh. if you're driving through the Mesa on the north end of the mm -hmm. Mesa in Bolinas, is an Agate Beach. We one of our parks is the parking lot there, and then we have a trail down to the beach. Oh. But okay. the beach itself is, uh, I think, state property. It's Duxbury Reef. It's a okay. It's uh, and then so, so on this map that you gave us, the yellow stuff. Who who's? I, I, I see the green and everything, but you. I see. I know the red is our wildland upland interface. Who who, who addresses all the the yellow stuff? It just says wildland, <laughs> urban up interface, but it's not in preserves. So. You want, you want to speak to it, Jim? Those are a lot of private properties. Is the yellow? Okay, okay. I thought the light green was all private agriculture, but the, well, but the, the yellow? Um, you've got residences, too, just all towns. Okay. That's, that's where we live. Okay. Okay, well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out here rural that I wasn't sure whose stuff is this and who's responsible for that. Yeah, it's not well defined on this map, and okay. color and print isn't as good as it is on the screen, so it's kind of hard to see the table there. But it's it's a mix of private property and not ours. I see. Yeah. Yep. This okay. Private property. Yeah. So that private property, like the orange that you see there, at uh, Stinson, that's the private properties, homes, and things I like see. businesses. Okay. Stinson, and then in Polinas. That's all the pri that's the town. That's like the mesa and the private property in the town. But then that little t there's a little stretch in the beach here. That's public property. You can't really see it very well. So yeah. Okay. So so Michael's right. So all the yellow stuff, orange stuff is really more housing developments and all that stuff. Correct. Okay. All right. Is there any plans to have more? ocean access or anything or develop that one that we were talking about that's in it's a good question i mean there's basically public access to the co i mean the coastal commission you know for a long time has been their one of the part of their goal is providing making sure there's public access to the beach and there is most of the beaches are public you know the one spot that has limited public access up by dillon beach you know in the very northern part of the mm -hmm. county mm -hmm. And there's been, you know, interest in some uh, access up there, uh, but you know, for us, the challenge with considering <laughs> being a part of any any kind of public access up there is that it's very far away from any of our other sites in terms of maintenance and management. So I know that there's been, you know, some interest. The the Wildlands Conservancy works has some properties in Sonoma County that they help to to uh, steward, and uh, I know the BLM has had some interest in oh. properties up there. They they have some properties up on the north coast 
just a little further. I think it's called the Stornetta uh, oh. uh, Field. I can't remember what it's uh -huh. called. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, so there are the one that I'm aware of that sort of coastal properties up there uh, by Dan Beach. Okay. Well, if anybody else doesn't have any questions, I think all I can say is total commend everybody for what happened. It's, it's overwhelmingly impressive. We should probably check with Al to see if there's any public comment. Yeah, so, that. okay. Al, do you have any public out there? There's no public comment right now. Okay. Thank you. Okay, great. All right. Uh, so the next one here is uh, number nine on the budget. Always a fun topic. So you guys are preparing to propose this budget to the Board of Supervisors? Actually, what it is is just because this committee only meets twice a year. It's uh -huh. really just an opportunity, A, to kind of remind you all of our budget development process, okay. provide kind of a high level um, update on the current year budget, and then a little bit just provide a general update on the audit and basically uh, you know, prepare for the, the spring meeting of this committee where we, we dive more into that. So um, again, it's a, really a high level look into our, our budget. and and reminder of, of what our budget development process looks like. So as you just saw from staff, uh, we've got a lot of work that's going on, some work that's being completed in this fiscal year, others that are in the planning phase that we are gonna take multiple years to plan for and eventually get to implementation. Um, so the budget process is much like painting the Golden Gate Bridge. So we're constantly Absolutely. developing, uh, receiving ideas, we're advancing planning uh, work and then when we finally get to implementation, like some of the cool projects you saw, um, uh, one that I, don't, I don't, don't think was on there was, for example, the uh, paving, paving project at the McNears Beach parking lot, right? It's a big project, big effort, um, but we're gonna be able to finally check that off the list. So last year it was in the budget development process for the planning uh, and design development and the permitting, and then this year was implementation, uh, and now that's checked off the list, and we're gonna move further down the list. And what is that list? That list is an, is an iterative process where you know, our staff are constantly engaging with the community, whether it's through uh, our Parks and Open Space Commission, through the Board of Supervisors, through one-on-one -on -one meetings, through our, our, our meetings with the Environmental Roundtable. Um, you know, lots of ongoing interaction throughout the course of the year that feeds into this time of year where we start to look at, okay, what are we expecting for next fiscal year? So basically we receive our direction from uh, the county administrator's office and the budget manager, and we start to plan for next fiscal year. So um, again, it's that kind of ongoing iterative process. So um, looking at the budget for this current year that we're in, um, you know, it, it really does have a sense that it's kind of back to uh, what we would say would be normal prior to the pandemic. Uh, and and I'll, I'll just kind of mention some numbers here. Uh, from from an expenditure perspective, in this fiscal year, we are we're looking at about 14.7 million dollars, and uh, from a revenue revenue perspective, we're expecting uh, Measure A sales tax to bring in about 14.3 million. Um, so you'll see um, by by definition of those numbers, we're basically pulling down about 400 thousand dollars out of of our fund balance to help advance some of those larger projects that we've got going. Uh, and just for a pr some perspective. 
last year during the pandemic with all the uncertainty um, around you know what was going to happen with the economy, uh, we decided to be extremely conservative uh, and put forward uh, a, a budget of about $11.7 million, so significantly lower. The previous year, prior to the pandemic, we um, had about a $14.4 million. So you can see we're kind of getting back to that pre-pandemic number. Um, and again, you know, that year prior, that fiscal year 1920, we um, budgeted about $16 million in expenditures because we were aggressively working towards some acquisition and some, uh, some of these larger uh, planning efforts and the implementation of the Ponte Trail and some of these other bigger uh, projects that you've heard about over the past couple of years. So, um, so, so yeah, so there's, you know, I think we're, we're at a really good spot. Uh, as we talked about at the onset of this meeting, uh, our plans are obviously to kind of stay at that, you know, proposed level. We're about 14 million this year and then really work uh, to understand and plan for next year with the uncertainty around the extension of the measure. Uh, I think our, our approach is going to be, um, you know, very conservative uh, and then, you know, prioritize the use of fund balance to help uh, continue some of the important fuels reduction work and these priority priority projects as well as the, the, the basic services that we provide that our, um, our staff are funded by Measure A uh, for the first half of next fiscal year. So, um, you know, I, I, there's lots of, lots of moving parts right now, lots of uncertainty, um, but we, we, you know, we're in a place now where the revenues have been consistent and are in a good place. Uh, and we, you know, we've got a solid, you know, $14 million budget. That budget is offset by, you know, an $8.8 .8 million open space district budget and uh, about a two, 2.4 million or five, I'm sorry, a $5 million budget on the general fund side of it for the park. So collectively we've got about a $28 million budget of expenditures um, when you combine them all. So lots of, uh, lots of things going on, lots of great work. Those are, that's how we're funding a lot of these work uh, projects that you were just hearing about. Um, so, you know, I know that's kind of a, a high level overview uh, talking briefly about the audits. The, our Badawi audit is currently underway. Um, actually, we're kind of on the, on the back half of that audit. Uh, it's going very well. We have um, scheduled meetings planned with some of our committee members and Parks and Open Space Commissioners to meet with the staff and the auditors as we kind of wrap things up there. Um, you know, we're coming off, this is into our ninth year of the auditing and we've had, um, you know, successful clean audits the entire run so far and we're expecting the same this year. So, um, you know, but we'll be back to your committee in the, in the spring uh, and have much more detailed information on both the, um, uh, the audit process and, and the findings and how that's going as well as our budget development and our understanding of kind of our approach on how we're going to go into the next fiscal year with the budget. And with that, uh, again, as it was kind of high level, but I'm happy to entertain any questions that you all may have. Thank you. Any questions, David? You guys cover it so well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, so, so I come from the private sector of for profit. So, how how does it work as far as prudent reserves and and um, reserve budgets go? I mean, I know that the, the you know government offices like use it or lose it type thing. So how are we able to kind of keep stuff aside on the sideline for these dips and things like that that we experience? Yeah, so I mean, one of the nice things for Marin County Parks is that 
our funding sources are only available to be used like Measure A or even the open space funds for these park uses. So if if we don't spend out those funds at the end of the year, they carry over into the following year. Um, you know, the only the only funds that wouldn't be like that would be like the general fund, but uh, we are very good about spending our general fund money out each right. year. First, so, first, uh, first out, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're able to carry it forward, and then, you know, it's just a process of if we want to hold on to some funding as a reserve, then we designate that as a reserve. And then otherwise, we try to uh, <coughs> spend the any kind of other fund balance on projects and programs in alignment with the measure. And, and what kind of criteria do you use to know how much to keep in reserve and things like that? You just kind of look at a five-year list of projects and what those are going to cost and kind of see, kind of do an annual averaging or? Yeah, I mean, it hasn't really been a scientific yeah. process. I mean, I think ultimately the first couple of years while after the passage of Measure A, you know, we went through a transitional period of, you know, figuring out who we are and where we're going and what our priorities were. We had to staff up mm -hmm. to accomplish the work. I mean, it, it takes a lot of energy and resources to spend Absolutely. those resources. Um, so during that process, uh, a fund balance did was able to um, begin to accumulate. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've really, you know, at the end of the, of the uh, fiscal year, the funds that weren't spent throughout that um, appropriated budget it just returns back to the fund balance. So, you know, when you have staffing vacancies and turnover at times, there's salary savings that revert back to the fund balance. So the fund balance has been, you know, fairly consistent. And, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a good thing because when we've had larger project opportunities that have come up, we've actually dipped into it as we did a couple years ago, particularly when we really engaged the Ponte Trail um, and, and, you know, made that a, a big push for our department. Um, so, you know, I, I'd say at this point, you know, there's not a real scientific criteria that we've been prioritizing. If we've <coughs> needed it, we've dipped into it to help advance the work. And if we didn't, we've, you know, now we're, we're fortunate to have a fund balance that will allow us. I mean, there's, there's acquisition set-asides that, you know, is specific to that. There's farmland set-aside that is specific to that. But in our parks and open space program, we have a fund balance that's going to allow us to, you know, hopefully – fund some of those priorities while we have that funding gap so that we don't we don't see that lapse in the service and the and that critical work and then we we created when we like i think maybe three years ago as part of our budget we created some fund designations and at the you know we uh utilized the advice of uh the county administrator's office and our department of finance and mirrored the way that the county sets aside some reserves so we created a designation for, I think, capital, one-time capital projects, and then also for um, sort of downturns or sort of planning ahead for potential times when there's less funding. Uh, so, and I think we created $3 million of reserves out of our open space yeah. fund uh, for, uh, for those components yeah the open space district's a little different it's been around a lot longer it's got a little bit more definition to the reserves and some policy behind it and you know we prioritize for for you know litigation we prioritize for unanticipated capital you know storm damage and things like that we've had opportunities where we've had to come in and utilize those 
to fix slides, um, deal with property damage, et cetera. So, so yeah, there's a series of designations that are, you know, we have a designation for our fleet yeah. um, to help have a fleet replacement fund that we can that we pay into each year that we then continually replace our fleet as it's as it's kind of reaches its useful life okay um anybody else have any questions about that if they've answered mine yeah okay um so i had a couple other questions that may not be pertinent to the budget but uh but what happens when the it expires and before it gets implemented, does our uh, commission continue? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> Man, what is I mean, are we or do we go uh, like into hiding? <laughs> well, well I, I actually I think the timing of it because yeah, of because when between our schedule, and November we, we will miss. Yeah. we will have a March meeting before the election, yep. and it the, it gets reactivated. The tax collection gets reactivated October first. So this group meets in november so i believe the meetings yeah would, assuming we're successful it sounds like we're so you'd still have a balance of funds though, but if too. We but we still, still have a oversee the funds that had already been collected yeah, yeah so it's the way it's written basically the cities and towns even can hold on to their money for 10 years after the expiration oh. so there's a role for you going <laughs> way out okay until the last penny is spent. That's right. <laughs> that doesn't mean you can't resign but <laughs> yeah, yeah but i mean you can never but leave we, but yes. we need to kind of our oversight is to oversight that, that all that money is, that we received is mm -hmm. being spent appropriately. So until that money is spent, there is a reason for us to exist. Yes. Okay. Yes, and in the new measure, it will call for the extension of this committee to oversee that that new re-implementation of funding if that occurs. Okay. So. And I know the other question I had about back to the budget, and so I was having a brain freeze here. Uh, do you do like a long five-year projection of like, major capital things and kind of rather than having the okay this is what we can do this year but i mean do you have kind of a long term yeah, uh, yeah. so that's something that we're getting better at was uh -huh. we have the county has a five-year sort of capital projects planning that we participate in um but then additionally we you know as part of our one tam collaborative we have a uh, planning effort to sort of prioritize, you know, what are our top priority projects? What are the things that we're sort of in the early planning stages of that are, you know, out in the future? And then what are sort of some of the concepts and visions that are starting to be generated for the long distance? And we've been working with our team to replicate that internally so that, you know, there's, because one of the things that we encounter with Measure A is initially it took a while to get going. And then our team was like, going full steam but each per each person had like 50 projects <laughs> that they were working on and it was hard to for our team members who are managing projects to know like all right what's the priority like what should we really be focused on so we needed to create a better tool for uh to prioritize and to create planning over time like you mentioned so and then from there, uh, our projects team has a whole like, you know, Gantt chart of like how all these different projects will move through different phases of planning and design and permitting and all those things. Um, and so, yeah, there, Tara, she's amazing and her team is much more organized than I will ever be. Well, and even beyond that, a lot of what we do, to be honest with you, Joe, is maintenance. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's not that doesn't meet the criteria of a capital project yes. that yeah. would typically be. So right. um, I think that's a big a big part of what we do is that you know a majority of our funding is feeding that important maintenance work, whether it's you know vegetation management work, which is you know it's hard to consider that sure. a capital project, right? Right. Right. But um, and the same with you know making sure that our garbage cans are empty and our restrooms are clean and you know benches are replaced and the piers you know some of the larger examples we do have that you heard about you yeah. know that are more long-range planning that, that do meet that so. right right but if 70 percent of the budget is spent on maintenance yeah. and all that kind of stuff and you yeah. still have that 30 sometimes the 30 is not enough to take on a big one so you say okay let's take on these three things and then we're not going to do anything for two years so we can take on this mammoth thing that's going to take three years of that 30 percent to take on this one big thing now we have so many things. All we can do is maintenance. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. and the other big thing, and I think we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> present to your committee in the spring, um, is you you know that thirty percent is how how can we leverage that thirty percent of the measure A to bring in additional outside grant revenues sure, to help sure, expand and, yeah. and 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 expand that capacity of what we're doing. So right. um, that's, that's money that's gets money. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well. Uh, I think that uh, is there anything else that needs to be addressed or anything like that? Did we do public comment for the budget? Pu public probably should call yes. for public comment okay. on the budget. All right. So, Al, do we have any public comment? Chair Malin, there are no speakers in the queue. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Great. So uh, the next thing is review of the next meeting agenda, a date and time. Um, looking that up right now. <laughs> so that's February 11th. Is that right, February? That sounds right. This February 10th. February 10th. February 10th. From yeah. 2 to 4. Okay. And in the meantime, before we adjourn this, is there anything that any of us as commissioners or anything or as private citizens can do to further the renewal of Measure A? Is there other committees or other things we can join to support the campaign or not just grassroots stuff, but is there other organizations that we can align with or participate in? Yeah, as, as part of your role as commissioners mm -hmm. or committee members, you wouldn't, but as private mm -hmm. citizens, you can get involved in, uh, yeah, okay. uh, you know, just like us as staff. Yeah. Right. As in our private lives, we can do that, but in our public lives, we're. Is that going to be an organized campaign? I can remember last time sitting out in front of Whole Foods in Mill Valley <laughs> and just being there to answer questions at <coughs> the table. I assume so, but I, like in my role, I can't, uh, as working for the county. So this I, is I, a, <coughs> a formal campaign with assignments and things like that. Yeah, I'm, I don't think that anything like that would start until after the measure was on the ballot. Okay, well maybe Kevin, you can give us some advice or tell us where we can find stuff if we want to participate or I was gonna say Joe the thing that you've brought up as chair just a member of this committee over and over again yeah. is that like we present all this stuff here yeah. and people are always amazed like I can't believe all this stuff's going on so the more that this committee can just communicate about all the work being done mm -hmm. and the track record of measure A's auditing and everything else you know that's always beneficial to get out to the community okay so great I have one last comment to say it goes with the money uh, they just passed the stimulus bill and we should be looking into what might be in that because nobody seems to really know <laughs> that you know where the grants are 
Yep. Yes. There's money there, so we should be getting at the front of the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kevin's played such a huge role in uh, helping us be more organized and effective at uh, getting grants and finding opportunities and connecting with them and helping to advocate for them. And so, you know, our team has actually been really effective over the last year or two at just, uh, you know, like that McNears project, the boat launch project, a bunch of those projects had use measure to leverage outside grants. And so I anticipate it's a challenge. I anticipate <laughs> us doing that a lot over this coming year. Yeah. Lots of free money out there. Absolutely. Yep. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, with anything else, then it sounds like we can go ahead. Uh, we have the next meeting agenda on the 10th. It's going to be set time and date. We're going to send that station some next month. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. All right. I guess we call to adjournment. Thank you, everyone. Thank, thank, thank you. Your participation and your support too. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Gerald. You guys are great. Ladies.